Welcome to a special Invest Talk bonus program, the Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour. Typically, each day, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein receive more new voice bank questions than they can fit into a live show format. So, in this bonus program, caller questions will be served up and answered with brief but helpful responses from Steve or Justin. Please tell your friends about Invest Talk and remember that the Anytime listener lines never close. 888-99 chart. Hello and thank you for downloading this Invest Talk podcast. I'm Justin Klein and this is our first Rapid Fire Hour podcast of 2022. Now we've been tracking our podcast download numbers and we have fantastic month over month growth and we are now at over 38 million total downloads. And we're excited for this and as you can imagine, more and more listeners result in more live show callers and also a great number of voice bank questions as well. So we are dedicating this show to our pre-recorded caller question, the calls that come in earlier on 888.99 chart, and we'll provide as many answers as possible in this bonus podcast. Let's get started. Hey, how's it going? Just want to let you guys know that you guys are doing an amazing job on the podcast. I'm a new listener as well. Well, one of the reasons why I called is because I wanted to get your take on the stock SPDR, it's SP500. The symbol is SPLG. I just wanted to get your intake on pretty much what is the best way to maximize my money with this stock. What do you think the 52-week high and low would be for this year for the stock? Do you think I should buy the dip right now? Do you think I should buy, put a call? I'm just trying to get some advice here. I'm looking forward to seeing what you have to say. Thank you. All right, looking at SPLG, and this is a Spider's S&P 500 ETF. It's basically basically the S&P. A very low expense ratio, three basis points there. And this is this is probably not the best name to be worrying about uh, kind of a trade because it's it's you're investing in the market and we know the market's starting to become more volatile as you see interest rates rise and the fed tightening policy in order to kind of uh, bring down inflation and we're expecting this to kind of last through at least the first half of this year until the fed kind of pivots in a more dovish manner but that will need economic data to come in slower we need to have inflation come down, which will likely happen by mid-year, and then maybe you can get some upside uh, tailwinds to the market. Right now, there's headwinds, and it makes it difficult for there to be a large advance. So I've been saying this for a while. I don't think 2022 is going to be a, a terribly great year or, or bad year for stocks. I think it's going to be uh, a lot of volatility, and we're going to end probably up or down mid Single digits. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> you know, I don't have a crystal ball, uh, but this is not a name to me that you are worried about trading with. Uh, I would be looking at uh, individual sector or an individual company, and you'll have a lot more success by targeting particular sectors, particular companies that do well in this economic backdrop. This is just investing in the market as a whole. And if you want to be a passive investor and you want to allocate towards this over the long term and you don't want to do any thinking, then it's it's an okay vehicle. Um, but you, you don't want to be worrying uh, about that in the short term. And you certainly don't want to be using it for a trading vehicle. Hope that helps. Now, please tell your friends about Invest Talk and this special Invest Talk podcast bonus show. And now, here comes another listener question. Hi, Stephen Justin. Longtime listener here. Love the show. Hey, I have a quick question for you guys. I own ODFL, Old Dominion Freight Lines. I had the stock. I still have a good profit on it, but it's come down over $100 from its high. I'm wondering, should I just jump out now and take the remaining profit I have, or should I hang in there, and do you think it might go up a little bit? I know we need the trucking to move products across the country, but however, with gas prices going up, I can see why the stock may be coming down because there's more expensive for the freight lines than that to be driving the trucks. I'm not sure what to do. It pays a very small dividend, I believe. Should I just leave some in there and take some profit or what? Thanks for your help. 
Have a good day. No, I will say you should definitely take some money off the table because it is overvalued. Our value is closer to $175 per share versus now it's nearly $300, $293 and change uh, on the close today. So I do think it's pretty overvalued and it's over earning right now. Pre-pandemic was earning about $5 per share. And in 2022, expect to make $10.80 a share. But those expectations are coming down as the cost of shipping is starting to roll over as well. Remember, the goods demand in the economy for the past 18 months has been very, very strong. It peaked out in March, uh, April of last year, and it started to come down. And as the demand for physical goods pulls back and more pure people are spending money on services, think of traveling, going out to eat, things like that, they're going to have less money for goods. And that means less things to move around uh, in the economy. And if you look at inventory levels in our economy, they're very, very high. You had big inventory builds in the fourth quarter because there were uh, products uh, stuck on ships. They ordered extra, flew it in, found other ways to get it in. And then those ships eventually uh, are getting unloaded as well. And so there's just a lot of inventory within the economy. And you're, you're, you're just going to have less demand there. And you're starting to see that come down, uh, the, the, the demand for or the cost of shipping. And so I think this is over-earning, it's overvalued, and at bare minimum, you want to be cutting back 2% of your portfolio max. If you want to eliminate the position completely and find something better, I wouldn't hate you for that either, especially if you have a better opportunity in another sector that's actually having tailwinds. Remember, this sector is now entering some some headwinds along with the overall economy. So I would definitely be trimming or getting rid of. Now, Steve and I have said many times that we appreciate our diverse Invest Talk audience. And in fact, we receive caller questions from across America and around the world. So let's take a question now, this time from the United Kingdom. Hi, Steve and Justin. It's Ross from the UK calling. I'd like to call about Emerging Markets Fund. It's the Vanguard Emerging Markets Fund. The ticker symbol is VWO, which is V for Virginia, W for Washington, O for Oregon. I'm just wondering, emerging markets has been beaten up over the last two years or so, and it seems to have reached support level sort of $48, the Vanguard fund. The 52-week low is $47. So I'm just wondering, if it, is it a good time to go into emerging markets, or is it still not time? Thank you very much. Goodbye. The simple answer is yes, I think it is a good time. You've seen the dollar rally, and it's starting to weaken here. And I especially think if the Fed pivots at some point this year, which I think they will, to a more dovish stance, you're going to see some weakness in the dollar and that some tailwinds to emerging markets. And even uh, if you look at the ratio between the S&P and emerging markets, the S&P has been beating the emerging markets for many, many years now, as a lot of foreign capital has been going into uh, U.S. markets and out of uh, th those foreign markets. And a big, a big factor in that is commodity prices. There are many foreign markets that are doing much uh, that, that rely a lot on uh, commodities and commodities have been down for some time, but that's starting to, as you know, have a comeback. And so getting exposure to those emerging markets that that have a lot of exposure to uh, commodities would be a good way to maybe fight the 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 pressure on asset prices, especially here in the US. So I do think getting some more foreign exposure, more emerging market exposure makes a lot of sense. Now, right here with the VWO, you're buying broad basket of emerging markets. Some are very reliant on commodities. Think of Brazil, it's the number one that I always think of because they're so reliant on uh, their exports of, of, of uh, all types of minerals. It's a huge country with a lot of natural resources, including oil and uh, they typically do well when commodity prices are going up. And so I personally would try to focus more on those particular emerging markets and less on things like China. And that's a, a big part of this, uh, this ETF. And I would be more strategic with that. But if you don't want to do a lot of work, you don't want to do a lot of thinking, you want to just do broad allocation, VWO is a fine vehicle to gain exposure to emerging markets as a whole. So hope you understood that entire context. And now we pivot back to a stateside caller. This came in earlier from an Talk listener in Missouri. Hi, Steve or Justin. This is Mike in Missouri. I purchased uh, Apple 
AAPL and Microsoft MSFT on Monday during the uh, correction. And I'm trying to decide how long I should hold them. Should it be a long-term hold, or should I wait till they recover and take my profits? Uh, I don't really need the money right now. It's just a uh, an investment probably for my kids someday. Thank you. All right, good question. This is uh, Microsoft and, Google and, and, and Apple, two of the largest companies in the world. Apple with a $2.7 billion, trillion dollar market cap, excuse me. Microsoft with a $2.2 trillion market cap. And I really think Microsoft is probably more of a value. The technicals are definitely a lot weaker on Microsoft than Apple. And we own Apple for, we've owned Apple for a long time for a lot of our managed accounts. And, and if I'm picking one or the over, other over the long term, it's absolutely Apple. Their ecosystem with iPads and iPhones are just unmatched and their their margins are just incredible and they're just great at manufacturing uh beautiful products that that people want to use and while microsoft has a fantastic business i think there's still a lot of uh uh, there's a lot more competition between their uh between their different uh between different competitors think of google uh think of other business software producers and i think microsoft is definitely going to probably come down in multiple it has a higher multiple than apple and i don't think it should so if i'm picking one or the other to hold longer term definitely apple and so uh i would go with that long term and short term i think both could come under pressure but long term apple's the winner now thank you for downloading this special invest talk rapid fire our bonus podcast, and let's keep things moving. This time, a question from Virginia. Hey, Steve and Justin. My name is Days from Virginia. I am looking into Comcast. I'm trying to open a new position. Everything looks decent. It also pays around 2% dividend, and it, it seems like a growing company. Of course, it's not like a growth company, but they do have some growth forecasted in the future, and it has also fallen from its highs uh, in the recent months. So I was just trying to understand if if this would be a good entry point to start a position into this company, and just wanted to know you guys' thoughts on this. Uh, Thank you very much. All right, looking at Comcast Corporation, and he's correct. Projected 11% earnings growth this year in 2022, 13% next year, yields 2.3%. Now, remember, a lot of the growth has to do with base effects and the fact that uh, a year ago, they were they were struggling. December 2020, revenues were down 2%, earnings down 29%. Well, this last quarter, fourth quarter, revenues were up 9%, earnings up 38% because it's easier base effects. When you have a tough previous fourth quarter, then that current fourth quarter makes it a lot easier to beat. So that's a lot of the reason for that growth. Now, $214 billion market cap, so fairly uh, fairly large, definitely in the, the large cap category. And good free cash flow, trailing 12 months, about $17 billion in free cash flow, which gives it a a nice 8% free cash flow yield somewhere in that range. And long-term return on equity is right around that 15% range. So I like what you're looking at in that sense that this has consistent cash flow, consistent profitability. And I would say it's a bit undervalued. I think the fair value is closer to $55 or $60 per share. Now we're trading at $47.40. My biggest issue, though, is the chart. The technicals remain very weak. And let me see where we would find good support here. I want to give you a good number so that you know where to get get excited about the name. Right, right about $43. I think that would be good support. $43. Now we're at $47.40. So I, I think the technicals are telling me it wants to get down there. It's already tested this 46 and change support level where it is now uh, a couple times. And that uh, usually tells me it wants to break through. So around 43, that's where I would be excited to pick up Comcast. Now in this rapid fire hour show, we are concentrating on stock questions. So let's play another one now. Hi, Justin and Steve. I have a question about stock LEU, Centris Energy Core. I know that you've spoken about it recently and have talked about the 
moving into the nuclear energy space, and I'm quite interested in that. However, I know that you also talk about not buying stocks when the P.E. ratio is very high, and I'm noticing that it's about a 57, 56 P.E. right now, and I wondered why this might be a good play, despite it having a very high P.E. ratio when other stocks might not be uh, worthwhile buying a P.E. ratio like that. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. All right, this is LEU, Centrist Energy Corp., and they supply low-enriched uranium for commercial nuclear nuclear power plants, $577 million market cap, so definitely in the, in the small cap space, no dividend yield, and their earnings are all over the place. 2020, they made $0.57 cents a share. That's after losing $2.00. Nine cents in 2019 and $12.15 in 2018. But this year, expected to make $2.92, and that's after last year making $4.25. So if you're looking based on current earnings, the P is actually low, uh, right around 10. If you're looking based on next year's earnings, it's probably closer to 15. Okay. So it depends on what you're what you're looking at and you always want to be looking though into the future you want to base it on future earnings not past earnings and that's really what the market cares about the most and the biggest issue with this once again is that it is all over the place with with its earnings and i don't like that now part of that could be just the secular decline in the demand for uranium that's starting to turn you see that with china building a lot more uh, power plants and eventually, the Europe here in the U.S., if we want to tackle the climate change and you want to reduce CO2 emissions, you cannot do it. It is literally impossible to do it without expanding our nuclear nuclear fleet. And unless that happens, they're just going to fight an uphill battle. And eventually, politicians are going to, going to, going to turn to that. And certainly centrists will benefit from that, but it's going to be extremely volatile and you have to be prepared for that. So I like the nuclear space and the uranium space, and this would be one way to play it, but it probably wouldn't be my only way to play it. It might be part of a small portfolio of different uh, uranium plays, and this is a, a pretty decent one over the long term. Remember, be looking forward and understand you have to skate where the puck is going, as Gretzky would say, and the the puck is headed towards uh, more use of uranium and a pivot towards nuclear. Now, Steve and I are grateful for your podcast support and our free downloads will continue. And I want to make you aware of two other ways to find our unbiased guidance. And that's Invest Talk as a YouTube channel and an Instagram following as well. We're building out more content on both platforms. So go to YouTube or Instagram or and Instagram and search Invest Talk. Remember, Use two T's and please tell your friends. Now, let's keep moving. Here comes another listener question. Hi, my name is TJ. I just have a quick question for the show on Western Alliance Bancorp, Whiskey Alpha Lima. I'm interested in this stock. However, it is kind of in a downtrend. My worry is that it's a little bit overvalued at this time. And if the recent growth justifies the higher price, I see it has pulled back quite a bit to some support from its recent high, uh, given the last week of volatile activity. I like this stock uh, given its exposure to uh, Arizona and California. I see those as uh, growing markets as well as it has a return on assets of about 2%. However, just the price of earnings concerns me at 13 times and if that price is justified around $100. I was looking to get in at about 87. Uh, LaFornia here, what do you think on the show? Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, looking at Western Alliance Bank Corp. This is based in Las Vegas, but they operate in Nevada, Arizona, and California. And this is actually a name we own for clients, have for some time. It is showing some weakness, but you're headed into some major support here uh, on some levels coming up. Let me give you the exact number on that. Right around $85 per share. I think that's a major, major support. Right now we're about 95. So there's potential for some, some near-term downside. But we think it still is pretty undervalued. And if you look at its, uh, its, its price-to-sales ratio and the multiples that it trades at, it still remains relatively undervalued. 
currently, uh, let me take a look at the chart real quick, pulling this up. Yeah, so the last 10 years, it's traded right around about four to five times price of sales, and now four and a half to five, and now we're right around four. So a little bit under historical averages, and earnings continue to go up. In 2022, this year, so expect to make $9.75. That's up from $8.83 last year. And then expect to make $11.32 next year. 67% revenue growth year over year last quarter. So we think it should trade into the high teens on a multiple basis. And like you said, trading right now, right around 10. If you go based on forward earnings, closer to eight. And we like that. Uh, so this little weakness to us is an opportunity to buy anything uh, 85 or higher. Now, this is the Invest Talk podcast bonus show, and we call it the Rapid Fire Hour. And as you can tell, I am moving at a fast pace. My objective is to provide solid answers and unbiased guidance and get to as many listener questions as possible. So let's keep moving. Hi, Steve, Justin, Dave from Ohio. I love the podcast. I'm a long-term dividend investor, but I'm looking at, just to be more diversified, I'm looking at ARK Innovations, ETF, A-R-K-K. It's pretty inexpensive right now, and I'm just seeing your thoughts, and if this is a good time to get into it, uh, looking forward to your answer. Thank you. Oh, this is the easiest question of the show. Absolutely not. This is the worst th- the worst fund you could you could invest in right now. This is full of story stocks, companies that don't make money and are struggling. And Kathy Wood just uh, she loves she's 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 good in front of a camera, but and she spins fantastic stories. But her history is absolutely abysmal, and it's definitely not cheap by a- any stretch of the imagination. The average price to sales ratio of the companies within this fund are five point six. The index is about. 3.2. So it's nearly double the, the the index when it comes to that multiple and, and a lot of other types of multiples that you'd, you'd be looking at as well. Very heavy in technology and communication services and healthcare. So biotech companies that don't make money, technology companies that don't make money. Uh, it, it's just, and there's no diversity, 0% energy, oh, less than 1% industrials, no basic materials, zero financial services. This is absolutely the opposite of the way that you want to be invested right now. So stick with dividend investing. This is not a good way to diversify. Even this recent bounce when it was, it was so oversold, the bounce has been very, very meager. It's been the almost the epitome of a dead cat bounce. So if, I, if you were calling me to sh- up to short this, I would say absolutely yes. And you're calling me to ask to buy this. I say run for the hills as fast as you can. Look for the opposite of this. And here's a quick reminder. At my company, KPP Financial, based in Irvine, California, Steve Peasley and I practice parallel investing. So our money rides right along with our client investments. And our goal is to build a solid financial future for our clients and ourselves. And here comes another caller question. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Dan from Wisconsin. I just had a question for you about uh, Nexstar Media Group, NXST. Looking it up, it looks really good in a lot of areas. It's a big earnings, return on equity, 36%. A lot of good things going forward. My main concern is it had a double top not too long ago, and a bounce came down, and it's kind of working its way back up kind of gradually, you know, and I'm just wondering if, if that would make it kind of a bad idea to purchase it at this time. But I'd like to know your opinion on the stock, if you could. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. We're looking at Nexstar Media Group. And what it looks like is they, they're the largest television station owner-operator here in the United States with 197 stations in 115 markets. And these are all basically affiliates with major broadcasters. So think CBS, Fox, NBC, ABC. And this is a merger between Tribune and uh, some Fox affiliates, CBS affiliates, NBC affiliates, etc. Let's see, it owns WGN, as well as the 31% stake in the Food Network and the Cooking Channel. So I actually kind of like this. You're talking about return on equity, very solid and consistent. It does have a lot of debt, but they've been bringing that down a bit with their solid free cash flow trailing 12 months about 1.1 billion and the market caps on about 7.2 billion so good free cash flow yield even though i probably expect that to come down a bit uh but what i like about it is the chart is very strong and i think there's a pivot 
there's so much distrust in the national media that more and more people are looking to pivot towards local media and they want to hear what's happening in their local markets especially when they don't want to deal with the the, the broader uh national media landscape it's they, they find more information that they want about their local communities and this fits right in with that so yields two percent although i do think earnings growth is going to moderate this year uh, their cash flow is strong. I like the the trends here. I like the chart. I like the profitability. I'm going to give this a big thumbs up. NXST Nextstar Media Group. The Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour bonus podcast continues. This time, more proof that we have listeners from all over the world, like Denmark. Hello, Invest Talk. This is Yannick from Denmark. I had a question about uh, American oil companies, in particular Exxon. Mobile, ticker symbol XOM, and Chevron, ticker symbol CVX. I know uh, KPP Financial prefers uh, Exxon, at least I heard you say so recently, but Warren Buffett for one, uh, own, uh, owns Chevron, and now I have both Chevron and Exxon. So I was very curious about your um, preference for Exxon. Why Exxon versus Chevron? All right. Thank you. Bye. Very simple. Natural gas. Exxon bought XTO Energy a long time ago, eight, 10 years ago. And that was their play on natural gas. Now, the first five, six, seven years of the merger, it was a bad merger because natural gas prices remained very, very low. But as we've continued to pivot away from coal, we basically have been replacing our energy production with natural gas, which historically has always been uh, kind of this yin yang. If uh, if coal gets too expensive, they switch to natural gas and vice versa. But now there's just government regulation to eliminate, uh, slowly eliminate the use uh, of coal, and that means the energy grid is more and more reliant on natural gas. And so that's why you see natural gases, nat- natural gas prices continue to go up. And when it comes to Chevron versus Exxon. You made kind of a double bottom in November of 2020. And since then, Exxon has been outperforming Chevron. A lot of that's to do with natural gas prices going higher. Now, they're both very complex companies, complex businesses. So there are multiple aspects, uh, multiple, multiple smaller differences uh, around both. Uh, they're, they're, they're integrated. So they own the means of production as well as refining capacity and, and marketing, etc. So there's there, there's there are differences but if i'm picking one or the other i'm picking exxon over chevron because of that natural gas mainly now please tell your friends and family about our free invest talk podcasts our phone lines never close and you can leave your question anytime on 888-99 chart you are listening to a special invest talk bonus program the invest talk rapid fire hour caller questions are being answered with brief but unbiased and helpful responses from Steve or Justin. Hi, Steve or Justin. This is Dave from Oklahoma City. I'm calling about Nutrien Limited, NTR. It's a basic materials, agricultural inputs stock from Canada. I'm reading a lot now about the possible upcoming food shortages. Just wondering if this might be a good uh, good entry point or if it's past its prime looks like it's it's gone up quite a bit but it looks pretty appealing anyway to me so let me know thanks a lot all right looking at nutrien and this is one of the largest fertilizer manufacturers in the world it was a merger between potash and agrium back in 2018 it's actually the world's largest fertilizer producer by capacity let's see it has about 20 percent of the global share of fertilizer and their earnings are expected to be nine dollars and 60 cents this year up 59 percent from last year of six dollars and three cents in 2019 they made two dollars and 12 cents so certainly pandemic has, has helped them but just simply demand for crops in general has uh has certainly increased their margins and we like it we think this is a a good secular play Uh, now is it our favorite within this sector 
Probably not, but it's still a solid one. A longer term, it's a turn equity is in the, the mid to high teens, which which we like. And the cash flow is pretty solid. 1.7, almost 1.8 billion in 2020 on a market cap of only uh, 42 billion. That's a, that's a pretty nice yield there for 5% free cash flow yield. 2.5% dividend yield. And the chart looks pretty solid. Now, I do, I think it's going to break out uh, in the near term. No, I actually think it looks like it's ready for a consolidation period. You had a big pullback today. But any dip kind of down into between 60 and 65, now we're at 73. I think those are areas where you'll probably want to be picking up uh, some nutrient. And I like the company and I like this sector as a whole. Now let's go straight back to our Invest Talk Voice Bank. This question came in earlier on 888 chart. Hi, Stephen, Justin. Hey, this is Fernando giving you a call from Boston. Wanted to pick your brain a little bit on Tyson Foods, ticker symbol TSN. I've held this stock for a while now, over a year. It's done very well. PE still looks pretty low, around 10, although for this particular stock, I think it's a little bit on the high side for it. Earnings are showing to go a little bit down next year, um, so I'm wondering if it might be a good time to take some profits and sell this stock. Just interested in your, uh, in your thoughts on this. Thank you so much. Love the show. Take care. All right, looking at Tyson Foods, and he's correct. Earnings are expected to drop 6% next year to $7.92, but this year, supposed to be $8.42, up 2% from last from last year. Nice solid return on equity, about 18%, and uh, two, about a 2% dividend yield, so that's pretty solid. Had a pretty big spike up early last week, and it's started to break down into that gap. So it gapped up, uh, looks like Monday of last week. I'm not sure if that was earnings or not, but that hit a 52-week high and it's starting to give a lot of that up. So I don't like the the technical pattern in at least the, the very short term. Now it's trading at about six and a half times EBITDA. That's actually pretty cheap compared to its its history. But like you said, if earnings slow, EBITDA slows, that uh, that might creep up. So, uh, But it is pretty, I don't think it's expensive by, by any means. And even if you have a, a slight de- decline in earnings, that, that's minor if it's trading at an inexpensive price. $2.6 billion free cash flow on a $34 billion market cap. You know, uh, you know I would take this spike to probably rebalance it. Uh, bring it down to 3%, maybe 2% of your overall portfolio. But I wouldn't wholesale sell it because I, I I think there's still more upside in food prices and and that's going to expand their cash flow and their margins and because they have the means to to produce. They're the largest poultry producer in the world, it looks like. Yeah, poultry and beef, uh, largest U.S. producer, excuse me, of chicken and beef. And they have a lot of great brands. It's yeah, 48% goes through retailers, 28% through food service and other uh, industrial companies, 10%. It has some revenue out of Canada, Mexico, Brazil, China, Europe as well, and Japan. So broadly diversified. So I like the name, uh, but I would use this as an opportunity to rebalance a bit. Now you're listening to an Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour. I'm tackling your questions at a faster pace, and you can call us anytime at 888 chart Hey guys, how you doing? Uh, this is Ben from New York, a longtime listener, a big fan. I have a question about a mutual fund, F as in Frank, A as in Apple, G as in Growth, O, X, F-A-G-O-X, Fidelity Advisor Growth Opportunities Fund, specifically in relation to the kind of shift in the market that you guys have been speaking about from value or uh, value. Just wondering if you think this is a good opportunity to buy this uh, long term to hold it long term or if you think uh, these type of funds are not uh, worth getting into given your opinions about the way the market's going to be over the next say 6 12 18 months thanks i'll be listening to the podcast and i'll be reviewing you uh five stars on spotify ticker appreciate that now Looking at FAGOX, Fidelity Advisor Growth Opportunities M-Class. And this is, first off, the expense ratio is 1.28%. That's very high. That's uh, probably a little bit higher than our average client uh, pays. 
for full service advisory uh, firm like ours versus you know you just pay buy this fund and you're 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 paying that that expense and not getting anyone to talk to. So you that's first off I wouldn't buy it based on that, and I especially wouldn't buy it for the type of stocks that it's own. Remember, this is growth. You heard advisor fidelity advisor growth opportunity fund, and this is heavily invested in the growth side of the market. So this is the exact opposite of what you'd want to be buying. The top holdings are Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, NVIDIA, Facebook, now called Meta Platforms, Apple, Alphabet, Carvana, terribly run uh, money losing growth company, C Limited, they're getting crushed, Roku getting crushed. This is where you want to run very, very fast away from a, 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 a fund like this. So Absolutely not. Do not buy this name. Too expensive and in the wrong part of the market. Now, let me remind you one more time, if you are a regular YouTube user, check out our InvestTalk YouTube channel. And if you enjoy Instagram, we have a presence there too. Just search InvestTalk Podcast. Hello, Steve or Justin. I was wondering about two stocks, Disney and IHI. I was just wondering if these are good buy points for these stocks. Thank you. All right, Disney is unfortunately been kind of lumped in with the growth stocks and the multiple uh, is high because there was all this ex- expectation that they were joining the the streaming wars, they're going to make all this money, and now they're trading at just very high multiples. Even based on forward earnings, you're about 30 times forward-looking earnings, and I think there's still more room to, to go on the downside. The, the, the chart is in a downtrend. And until this gets right now, it's at $150 per share. This needs to be at 100 before I even uh, start thinking about it. So I think Disney is headed that direction, and I would not be buying it. Now, IHI, that looks to be a an ETF. This is a medical device ETF. And I like, I actually kind of like this. I think the medical device market has uh, more, a better prospects than pharmaceutical. Because I think there's a lot of pressure on pharmaceutical drug prices uh, from from governments and less pressure from the medical device side. It's been simply because there's probably there's more expenses that go into producing individual medical devices for the most part than your individual uh, drugs. And so I, the margins are often better on medical device too. So I think from a regulatory standpoint, I like medical devices better than the broad uh, healthcare space. Now the question is, do you want to be getting into this now? And the answer is probably not as well. Why? Simply technicals making lower highs made a lower high in December has broken down to lower lows. Even this bounce has been pretty weak. So I would pass on IHI as well as Disney. Now let's head down to Texas for this next caller question. Yes, this is Brian in Texas. I love the show. I was interested in Square. It's really come down a lot. Ticker SQ. Wondering what your thoughts are on the stock. <sighs> okay, so I want to start off looking big picture. There's a lot of these tech names, and you'll see they're down 50%, 60%, and a lot of people think they're cheap. And I always remind investors, go back and look at the last dot-com bust. This is, this is, doc, this is tech bust 2.0. Go back and look at TechBust 1.0. And the NASDAQ, remember, was the NASDAQ, which is a broad, diversified index, heavily focused on tech stocks. That was down 70% from peak to trough. That means there were some stocks that were down less than 70%, but there were a lot of them that were down over 70%. And a lot of those in the tech space that weren't included in the NASDAQ that were down 80, 90, 95%, some of them went bankrupt. Think of pets.com. And... That's what's happening here in the tech space is that uh, the companies that are cash flow negative, they're going to be issuing a bunch of shares, kind of pounding their shareholders into the ground by diluting them day after day, week after week, month after month. Now, Square, now called Block, is not one of those. At least it is earning money. It's supposed to make $1.67 this year, but that's a 1% growth from their expected earnings last year, 1%. So what do you pay on a company that's growing earnings at 1%? I wouldn't pay very a very high multiple. Right now, it's trading at 60 times forward earnings. 
probably actually probably higher than that. So it's coming down because the multiples are contracting. And it's down 61% from its high. But I always remind people, what's the difference between a stock that's down? Uh, what's a stock that's down 90%? Well, it's a stock that's down 80% and then goes down 50% from there. That's a stock that's down 90%. So could this drop another 50%? Absolutely. Absolutely. What's preventing a stock that makes $1.67 this year from trading at 30 times earnings? They ought to put this right around 50 bucks. Now it's at 111. The technicals are horrible. Even this recent bounce kind of reminds me a lot of ARC. It's been bad. So don't fall in love with the name. Focus on companies that have tangible assets, non-intangible assets like a lot of these big tech names. So absolutely not. Do not touch Square, at least in the short term. Now, this is a special Invest Talk bonus podcast. We call it the Rapid Fire Hour. More questions at a faster pace. So you get a lot more bang for your investing listening time. Here comes a question about a stock that came that we seem to receive on a regular basis. Hey guys, it's Jeff in Tennessee. I was calling about PayPal. Looks like it went down about 25% today on undesirable earnings. Wondered if this was the right time to get in. Thanks. All right. This is similar to the last caller talking about Square. Now we're talking about PayPal, similar type of companies in the fintech space. Now, PayPal is, I think, a lot closer to its fair value than Square, but it's still, I think, above it. Revenues last quarter only up about 13%, earnings up only 3%, and expected in 2023 next year to make $5.84, but those earnings expectations are coming down as well. Now, there is a lot of support right around 105 or so. Now it's at 114. So from a technical basis, I do think you're going to see uh, pretty good support in that area. But it's still pretty overvalued. And, you know, the space is going to have a lot of, of headwinds in the in the kind of uh, short to medium term. So it's not down enough. It's down 63% from its all time high. I would maybe pick this up around 90 bucks. That's where I think it's a decent value. Now it's at 114. So you're talking about another 20% down from here. And I think we'll we'll get it at some point. You can see bounces in the near term, especially around that 105 area. But 90 is where I would be excited or interested in picking it up. Now, Steve and I each keep an eye on our download numbers. And we are now at about 38.7 million. So we thank you and ask you to tell your friends and family members about our free Invest Talk podcast. Hi, Stephen, Justin. I had a question about Chimera Investments. The ticker is CIM. I was wondering, in this sort of rising interest rate environment, is this the sort of business that is meant to do well, like a bank, or is it a sort of business that's not going to do as well, like a mortgage REIT? My understanding is businesses involved in mortgages are not going to do well in a rising interest rate environment. Anyway, if you could let me know, I'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much for all you do. The simple answer is, yeah, this is not the type of name that you want to be invested in in, a, uh, in in an environment where the yield curve is flattening, when the yield curve is flattening. And you've seen that uh, as of late uh, as their expectation of a more aggressive Fed is being priced into the market. Remember, this is a mortgage REIT. There are a lot of types of REITs, real estate investment trusts, and a lot of them own physical assets, whether that's office, industrial, commercial, retail, uh, real estate, whatever it is. And there's a special niche which owns the investments that are backed by real estate, so mortgage loans. And a lot of them pay high yields because they're basically a very leveraged bank. And because they are REITs, they have to pass through their cash flows to shareholders. And that's why those yields are so high. The issue is that a lot of this, the, the, the money you're, you're getting paid is just your return of capital, or it's money that is being borrowed and adding to the leverage, which makes their business model unsustainable, especially when the yield curve flattens. Remember, like a bank. So if their short-term rates are rising and they're investing in these mortgages that pay a fixed coupon rate, 
that means their profits and their cash flows are going to shrink. If you were borrowing before at, say, 1%, and you were earning, say, 3%, and suddenly the short-term rates go from 1% to 2%, and you're still earning 3%, your profit margins just got cut in half, okay? Because your cost to borrow on the short-term market just doubled. And that's why you're seeing this in decline, and that's why these mortgage rates are so dangerous, especially in an environment where the Fed is tightening. So if you see the pivot where the Fed may be pivoting and short-term rates might be going down, I would look at like SHY to follow that, but we're not getting any indication yet that that is, that is happening. So you do not want to be in this. Do not chase yield. Do not chase those mortgage REITs. Now, we love getting your Invest Talk questions via our anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART, but we are also happy to see questions come in via email or in connection with an iTunes review. So let's keep moving. Hey guys, I want to know what you guys thought about DraftKings. It's been getting beat up recently, but, you know, for example, California votes to legalize sports betting in November and other states seem to be following. So I wonder if now would be a good time to buy at this price, because once it becomes legal and for example, California, you know, likely going up. All right. Thank you. All right, this is another story stock. A lot of people are getting all all hyped up about story stocks, companies with intangible assets, and DraftKings is just another one of them. Burning capital, burning capital. It's all about the story of more and more people gambling. That's certainly true. Secular tailwinds, that's certainly true. But now that all these all these games are reopening, right? All the leagues are open, we have fans in seats and all that, and they're driving more revenue. 2020 revenue was 615 million, trailing 12 months, 1.1 billion. But guess what? All they did was just lose more and more money. So their business model clearly doesn't work. So no, this is the exact type of company you do not want to own. They're issue. How are they handling this? Well, they're just issuing more and more shares. 2020, they had shares outstanding of 306 million. Now, almost 400 million. So they've increased their shares outstanding by nearly a third in just a year. Why? Because they're cash flow negative. They need that money to stay afloat. And what does that mean? It means you, the shareholders, are getting consistently diluted. And that's why the chart is in a grind lower. It's down 70% from its 52-week high. This is probably a name that is going down 90% from its 52-week high, which would put it in the single digits. And I think that's where it's headed. So absolutely not. Do not buy DraftKings. I'm Justin Klein, and I thank you for downloading this Invest Talk podcast bonus show, The Rapid Fire Hour. I'm focusing solely on caller questions, which we are retrieving from our voice bank. Our anytime listener line never closes. So when you have a finance or investment question, call 888-99-CHART. Now let's go to a question from a listener in New York. Hey, Duncan from New York. Thank you for all that you do. Quick question on two ETFs. Looking into the banking section, don't know really much about it, but I have two ETFs that I just uh, need a little clarification on, K-R-E and K-B-E. One is a regional bank and one is, a, is just, I, I guess, more you know around the world bank or something like that. I know that you guys mentioned regional banks would be a little bit better, so just want to figure out which would be a better ETF to invest in during these inflation times. Thank you very much and have a great day. We're looking at KRE, which is the Spiders S&P Regional Bank ETF, and KBE, which is the Spiders S&P Banking ETF. And you are correct. The banking ETF just has uh, broader, bigger banks. And that's not where I'd want to be. I want to be in the regional banks. So I'm picking KRE over KBE. Now we transition from New York to Miami. Hey, Stephen Justin, this is Matt Miami. I just wanted you to take a look at ticker symbol MMM. I really like the foundations of this company, and its PE is hovering at a good point. I think it's around like 15 right now. Historically, the five years has been at 25. It has a pretty solid dividend that's been increasing every year, and it's in a good sector. And it kind of caught support around this 165 amount in 2019-2020. So... I'm more looking at this as a long-term play, and I noticed it's about down from its 52-week uh, high, about 15 to 20%. So curious if you guys would pull the trigger at this point. 
let me know. And can't wait to hear on the podcast. Thank you, guys. All right, looking at 3M, one of the largest industrial companies in the world, very diversified operations. They make industrial tapes, adhesives, medical and office products, surveillance and communication products. So uh, it's going to grow not fast, it's going to be a slow grower. Earnings this year expected to go up 3%, 7% next year, nice 3.8% dividend yield. And longer term, the return on equity uh, kind of hovers in the low 40s. So I like what you're looking at. It's very, very profitable, very solid, consistent free cash flow, 5.8 billion trailing 12 months, which is based on a $90 billion market cap, uh, roughly 6.5% free cash flow yield. Very, very solid, good balance sheet as well. The issue here is the chart. The chart just continues to grind lower. It peaked back in June of last year and has been on a downtrend. And that's my biggest problem with it is I don't see anything that's telling me that we've hit capitulation yet. That's what I want. I want to see capitulation. I want to know that the the sellers have given up. And that's where I would be excited to pick up 3M. And I don't see really support, major support, until, let's take a look here. Yeah, right around 150. It's at 158. So I do think there's definitely some downside here. And even then, maybe 135. Uh, that's probably the next level, somewhere in there. Uh, and I just don't love the technicals. That's my problem with it. So interesting to keep on the watch list. I continue to continue to watch it until the technicals give me some major capitulation volume. That's what you look for. When a stock's in a downtrend and you like it, what you want to really see is a day where uh, it might open down big, uh, gaps down, for example, and has extreme amount of volume, the highest you've seen in, in years. And that often marks a pivotal low because those that uh, were holding it and, and feeling the pain, feeling the pain, they've given up. And the last of your sellers have, have, have sold. Uh, another indicator is often there's bad news and the stock goes up. So it might have uh, earnings where they miss or they guide lower and the stock doesn't really react. That also can mean that a pivot low is, is there. Uh, but I'm not seeing that yet for 3M. So I'd continue to have it on your watch list. And, and frankly, it's on our watch list as well, but haven't pulled the trigger. This is a special Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour. So let's keep moving. Hi, how you doing, Steve? Just want to say long-time listener and appreciate all the advice you and Justin give. You guys have been great. I just got a quick question about small cap Sun Opta. Kicker symbol is STKL. I'm thinking about um, purchasing this one, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. And thank you very much. You guys have a good day. All right, looking at Sun Opta, and this is a very small company, about $500 million market cap. It was losing money until the last few quarters. They made a whopping one penny each of the last three quarters and expected to make $10, sorry, 10 cents per share this year. But it's a $4.81 stock, so that's pretty high multiple. Remember, this is a good example of, oh, it looks cheap. It's trading at $4.81. That's cheap. Well, based on forward earnings of $0.10, cents, that's nearly a 50 times multiple. That's not cheap. And the technicals look pretty terrible. And it continues to grind lower, lower, and lower. And they've been issuing more and more shares. 2020, that 89 million shares outstanding. Now they have 100 million. So 10 12% dilution each and every year. Why? Because they're cash flow negative. Now, I like what you're looking at. They're big into natural and organic uh, milks. So think almond milk and oat milk, which is a secular grower. But the business has not turned positive, And it doesn't look like it is anytime soon. And the technicals are atrocious. So I'm absolutely passing on some Synopta. I'd love to see it turn the corner because I think there are nice secular tailwinds. But no evidence of that yet. We get calls on this stock every now and then. Let's play it now, and I'll give you my unbiased answer. Hello, Steve and Justin. How are you doing? I am looking at DocuSign. I am looking to buy. It's been uh, dropping pretty heavy. So anyway, I just want your input on DocuSign, D-O-C-U. Thank you. All right, looking at DocuSign, this is another one of those high multiple tech names, down 61% from its 52-week high, and we love DocuSign. It's uh, definitely transformed our business. It's so much easier for clients to open up their accounts, open up new accounts 
over at a broker TD Ameritrade, whether it's an IRA or trust account or individual account, whatever it is, it's just so, so easy. And that's applied to the rest of the world. And uh, a lot of people bought into this stock as a, a pandemic winner, and they certainly were. Earnings in 2019 were only nine cents. 2020 were 31 cents. 2021, almost a buck, 90 cents a share. Almost making $2 a share expected this year and $2.16 next year. But remember, that's only a 9% growth year over year. What is 9% earnings growth worth? Remember, the market and you as an investor should always look forward. The look You have to invest through the windshield, not the rearview mirror. And so that previous growth is now slowing down. And that's natural. There was a lot of pull forward in demand due to the pandemic and that means that ex, that huge growth, those huge growth numbers going from, like I said, $0.09 cents to $0.31 cents to $0.90 cents to almost $2 a share this year, that was just pulling forward decades of demand into a shorter period of time. And now we're getting back to, hey, normal growth and 9% earnings growth is, is reasonable. So it's a good company, but it's still trading at a ridiculous multiple. So I think there's still more downside here. And the technicals remain pretty bad. And it's issuing more and more shares. I don't know why, because it's now cash flow positive, about four, $4 million, $400 million trailing 12 months. But is that worth $24 billion market cap? I really, really don't think so. Our value, where we'd get excited about picking it up, is closer to $70 per share, 70 to 80. Now it's at 120. So I think it has about a 50% downside from here. And that's where it'd be interesting to start picking it up. Definitely getting a lot better, but needs a lot more downside. And the technicals are telling me it's going to see that downside. And one more question from this rapid fire podcast, this time from a listener in New Jersey. Hey, Steve, Justin, this is Vishnu from New Jersey. I want to know what's your opinion on RxD. It's Rackspace Technology. Thank you. All right, looking at Rackspace, RxT is another one of those tech names that is in a downtrend. Was this part of a SPAC? Let me take a look here. Yeah, it's, God, this is just grinding lower, $12.52 currently. Yeah, it might have been part of a SPAC or no, maybe just IPO. Yeah, IPO back in in the summer of 2020. Let's look at some of the, the numbers here. Expect to make a dollar eleven this year, up from ninety-seven cents next year or last year. Sorry, yeah, ninety-seven cents last year. So it's trading at a relatively low multiple based on that. Let's look at the cash flow, because that's what I always like to see with these tech names: is uh, are the headline earnings numbers real, or are they really burning uh, burning cash? Well, this is a company that does have nice, solid $189 million trailing 12-month free cash flow, $2.6 billion market cap. So not a great yield there, less than 1%. Return equity, ooh, it's negative. Yeah, I, I I don't love it. The return equity continues to grind lower. It's it's issuing a ton of, ton of shares. Went from 16 million shares outstanding in 2019 to 179 in 2020 to 206 currently yeah i'm gonna pass uh, i think the i don't like the chart i don't think it's cheap enough especially when you're looking at it based on cash flow and it's not growing that fast trailing 12 months or sorry last quarter only 12 percent revenue growth earnings growth only 14 percent expected this year so i'm not paying that high a multiple for this name this needs to be seven eight bucks then i would be uh maybe interested in it but the chart remains weak and i would pass on it I'm Justin Klein, and I thank you for listening to the special Invest Talk Bonus podcast, the Rapid Fire Hour. Please tell your friends about our program and our website, investtalk.com. Remember, our philosophy at KP Financial, independent thinking, shared success. You can learn about our unbiased guidance and the variety of our investing programs at investtalk.com. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, 
Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 888-99-7283.